I can't even come up with the right words to mispronounce. Welcome to episode 128 of Grumpy Old Ben's for Monday, January 18th, 2021. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle America, just outside of Chirac, where uh, 23 people were shot, six fatally, but it's okay. Joe Biden will soon be inaugurated. And from America's left coast, where we eagerly await the inauguration. I'm Ryan Bemrose. The inauguration is the best thing ever. Yes. The best I, thing. Yeah, you know, we. We have to get this out of the way right at the beginning of the show, because it, <laughs> it, it is, of course, the biggest thing that happened on No Agenda yesterday. It was. Was John C. Dvorak. And you know, John and Adam always have this tendency to correct each other's pronunciation. Uh, they're constantly going on the about the, yeah, the, the lip smacking, the saying of particular phrases Anyways. that they don't like. Any, yeah, that's a big one. Hey, guys. Um, Hey guys, this one that they harp on all the time. There's a couple that they don't harp on that can have gotten under my skin before. By the way, is one that that John you know, or uh, or John's. Uh, it, you could make a a show length supercut of John saying so uh, so. Uh, but it, 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 here's the thing, I I just don't care. <laughs> it was. I, I, the only reason I brought it up is because John made a big deal during the donation segment yesterday about where they wanted to pound Darren O'Neill. Yes. Uh, at least. The- I mean, I, should I be worried? I don't know. Um, what kind of a pounding am I getting? Maybe. But I thought it was fantastic. I said this was genius because we finally got clipped on no agenda. Oh, it was the best marketing our show could have got. So, uh, <laughs> yes. Bonus. Yeah. So we want to thank John C. Dvorak for that. There's no question about yes. it. But and just, and just uh, I was going to say, this obviously is a word that I've been saying wrong for a long time, and I don't know where the beginning of it came from, but it was pointed out on No Agenda Social way before No Agenda yesterday by uh, Draven, and he asked, and he was like, is this an inside joke or just a troublesome word? And, you know, I was stupid because I had a perfect chance to be just like, yeah, you should have <laughs> said it was an inside joke. Yes. Really? I mean, I would go with that. <laughs> yes. I would be right behind you like yeah we've been saying that forever inside joke done yeah and then somebody else came up today saying well it actually works perfectly because it's it's the combination of inauguration and lie so i thought which that is what would, it is which is so there would then it would kind of be the inauguration you know kind of so that you'd have to adjust the pronunciation for that but i it really didn't even yeah. occur to me yesterday until I started getting offers and I won't out anybody, but I got multiple offers or like, I mean, one of them was even like, I'm sure you're going to take the high road, but if you need like a super clip of John mispronouncing stuff, I'd be more than happy oh to put God. it together. <laughs> no. no. And then, and then I've got, I, I, I'm watching the Darren O sycophants out there going, well, if, if Ryan gives you any crap about this, you should just get on him about saying any ways. <laughs> well, but see, the, the like, beauty okay. of the beauty of the Dvorak call out, was how he turned it on you with how does Bemrose let him get away yes. with it? See, so it was your apparently, fault. you know, the word he used is apparently I'm cowed. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you? No, I'm catted right now. Oh, that's different. That is, we, we knew that. 
That is completely so, different. So, I, yeah, my 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 two arguments for why I'm not calling you out when you do things like that. It, well, uh, three, actually. But one is I don't care that much. Two is if I want to call you out on something, I'll call you out on your terrible arguments. I don't need to harp on pronunciation. Well, and three. And the real reason is that I don't actually listen to the show. Right. That's that's mainly it. Because if you did, you would have caught it way earlier on. But we're talking about No Agenda, the show that has, I'm sure, a whole list. I mean, the only one I'm thinking of right now is respect. But there's a whole lot of different words that are intentionally mispronounced on No Agenda. So, I mean, it could have very easily been an inside joke, but it was great for marketing. I went on to Jitsi, the voice chat, you know, the whole Zoom type thing that a lot of the No Agenda folks do after the show. And Sir Chris Wilson. Out in Australia, he's doing well. Uh, he said that was makes makes me a, a no agenda legend. I'm like, you know what? I had a list of things I wanted to accomplish on you know no agenda in the community, including you know getting the art wins and you know getting a song played. Of course, we do the pre show, having my show played after you know random thoughts, grumpy old Ben's. I'm like, I never had end of show ISO on the list, so we could add that as an extra added bonus. I thought that was fantastic. Admit it. You're infecting every part of that show's production. Kind of. Is that bad? (laughs) You're the the golden boy at this point. Like Adam just thinks that you're the greatest thing ever. Well, you know, he's not Um, wrong. Well, I mean, I, I keep trying to convince him otherwise, but he doesn't listen to me anyway. So anyways, anyways, yes. (laughs) So I thought that was, that was hilarious. That was good. And it was definitely good uh, promotion. So I thought it was great. You know, it's, it's I thought it's, it was great. And, and you can decide that I'm cowed if you want. Uh, I mean, I'm generally pretty meek with my opinions on this show. Um, I don't I don't always say what I need to say because really, I, I'm just, you know, I, I let whatever you say go most of the time on the show. Any long term listeners know that you're really the, the dominant personality on the show, right? Well, I mean, it's the 50,000 watt voice is what Larry actually me. that has an effect. Yes. You know, it, it does help. But the, I was the li- oh, that. That was the other thing I noticed about on on when John was playing clips. I was like, the clips of your voice on No Agenda sound better than John and Adam. Hey, how you doing, everybody? I I mean, I don't want to call them out for anything here, but. (laughs) It's the, you know, it's the, it's the microphone. It's all, it's all the microphone. I can make that claim because John didn't play any clips that had my voice in it. Now, I mean, there were a couple of things. One, I liked that he caught me saying that five times. It means he listened to the whole show. And I would just ask yes. that maybe at some point we get clipped for something we say and not something we mispronounce. But that's all. That's my only. That's my I, only. You, right. you ask. You ask a lot there. I do. I mean, you know, playtime is playtime. I do. And or we're maybe we should go to some stories. There's a lot. Like you said, 23 people shot six fatally over the weekend in Chicago. So, I mean, even the cold and a little bit of snow, not keeping people inside long enough not to shoot each other. So there's there's that. But don't worry. Joe Biden's coming or is he? This is a, this is our last show. <laughs> do, you, do you think he can even get it up yet? Joe, maybe. I don't know. Maybe he can. He probably with with help. A pump or That's a little blue pill yep. or something like that. Or a vice president. I, did I say that out loud? Well, I mean, there's there. The, if you're looking for Kamala's qualifications, I'm just saying that's uh, that's probably on the list. And that's rude to say, I'm sure. So I apologize before every everybody on the left tries to cancel us because that is that is still a thing. That's reason under 441 of why the people on the left would want to cancel us. Yes, it's adding to the list. But the the culture 
of canceling is certainly not going away. We've already talked ad nauseum about the social media, you know, blacklisting and the social media shadow banning and all of that and how yeah. Parler was done. You know, Parler was basically sh- well, not shadow banned. They were banned by Amazon Web Services. CNN is pushing it even further now because <laughs> this is what happens. I mean, it's that old cliche that old saying you know you give somebody a foot they take a yard or something like that i may be screwing that up but you get the idea and cnn now wants cable companies so your cable providers your comcast which i mean yeah we know they're already evil yeah comcast is already on board with a lot of stuff but yeah they want the new networks the one american news oan and newsmax tv they want cnn's demanding that the cable companies remove that. And of course, when that happens, and it probably will, then they go after the people streaming them. So this purge is not just about Donald Trump. This purge is not just about a few people on social media. This purge is moving us completely into the socialist capitalist governments that shut everybody down. Or am I wrong in overreacting to this? Because this is what it feels like. I, you're you're not wrong. The 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 little bit of a win that they got combined with uh, a very very impressive and well spun false flag at the Capitol uh, last week, two weeks ago now. Uh, the the left is completely heady with success, where they have managed to uh, cheat, lie, and steal their way all the way to the top. They completely own the country, and. Uh, <sighs> You know, the funny thing is, uh, I was, in fact, I was reading a, an opinion piece this morning. I, I didn't bring it to my notes, so I don't know who it is. So if, if this was your opinion, then, um, I'm stealing it. But the, I, the, the idea that the reason why uh, Trumpism, as they call it, uh, became a thing is it, it is a type of populism. You know, we, we discussed on the last show that populism comes from, uh, the, dissatisfaction of the public of the proletariat with what their aristocrats are doing when when the aristocrats when the ruling class stops representing the people you end up getting populism movements and the the trump movement came as a result that uh the the swamp creatures in washington dc stopped representing the people i mean arguably they stopped decades ago in fact i don't think they have during my lifetime uh, but they they really started moving away with uh, selling the country out to China, with uh, ruining the economy. And then most recently with deciding that they are going to uh, hand down lockdown edicts and then go off on vacation to the Philippines or wherever, uh, you know, their story after story of some governor or, or health official doing that. Well, not only that, some woman with like the Chicago Board of Education, the same thing was like, oh, it's too dangerous to be in class. And then they caught her social media yeah. that she was in, you know, some some Caribbean island somewhere. It's like, huh, that's yeah. not too and, scary, and, though. And, and there was a there was a story about four weeks ago that we, we didn't bother covering where uh, some Seattle teacher said, uh, well, we're we're going to do remote learning, but we have to take uh, a day off of remote learning because I'm I, my Internet connection isn't very good. And the reason her internet connection wasn't very good was because she was off in a cabin in the mountains. Oh, well, there you go. That, that, well, that, that one kind of went the other way. But anyway, uh, the, 
the opinion piece that I read was that the rise of Trumpism was a, a direct result of the deep state aristocrats not representing the the public anymore. And in particular, uh, we've seen uh, several years now of conservative views being marginalized and otherized. And generally, you know, the things that uh, 20 years ago weren't even conservative, they were middle of the road or even a little bit liberal, uh, but now are uh, deplorable. And so they finally get rid of the man, Trump. And what do they do? They immediately start a, a, a new McCarthyism, the, the new witch hunts where, you know, I have a story here in my notes about uh, Harvard's uh, student government president writing, urging that the university revoke the degrees of Trump supporters. Right. Or people that worked in the Trump administration. And I mean, it's yeah. nuts. And so, I mean, well. How do you how do you build unity across the country? Well, the first thing that you do is as soon as you've managed to lie, cheat and steal your way to seize all of the power in the most incestuous cesspool of deep state garbage in the country. The first thing that you do is you go out and stomp on everybody you just beat, because that's the best way to get them to come around and believe that you are a legitimate president and that, that they, we shouldn't have some kind of civil war. I, the, I, I don't know if it is a result. And, and by the way, when I say deep state, I'm not talking just the left in this case. I'm also talking the fucking Republican party who apparently have conveniently completely forgotten that all 74 million Republicans exist that voted for Trump and also voted their asses in and are suddenly looking at this going, okay, where the fuck are you? We voted you. What are you doing? And there's going to be a whole lot of Republicans getting primaried in 2022 well and that's it and they're also doing the same things over and over again there was coverage that i saw on the mainstream somewhere it was either cnn most likely but it was on one of the more leftist sites that said well trump's leaving office with his lowest approval ratings ever and they had his approval ratings down in 20 something i believe percent except for the fact that was a pew poll pew pew and, yeah. uh, and Pew is not very accurate. There's a daily presidential tracking poll. And CNN isn't very accurate either. Well, that's true. They don't mention the daily poll that Rasmussen does. And they've been doing it. They're the only one that's been doing a daily presidential poll for years. And the other day, the Rasmussen poll had the Trump approval at 49% disapprove. Uh, no, I'm sorry. 51% disapprove. 49% approve. That's... Uh, that's pretty much split 50-50 when you take the you know error margins into this. But that doesn't follow the narrative. The Pew Pew poll went out and got what the results they wanted, so they pushed that. Now, if they were honest, they would report the multiple polls and let people make up their own minds, but that's not what news is anymore. It hasn't been for a long time. And that's what, what people need to figure out. Yeah. Uh, it, uh, one of the, one of the new shows that, uh, was recently added to the no agenda stream, uh, privacy, security, and OSINT, um, a guy by the name of Michael Bazell, 
Uh, I'd never heard of him. He spends an inordinate amount of time each episode pimping his book, but that's kind of his version of value for value. So I think it's it's reasonable. It sounds like an um, ad to me instead of value it, for value. It, he I, does make it totally sound like an advertisement, but it, it's it's for his own book, which is how he supports. Anyways, doesn't doesn't matter. I'm not critiquing the show, but one of the things that he he called out on this latest episode that really stuck with me was he said uh, when he was talking about stories from. Uh, from CNN, from Washington Post, from from uh, the he, he didn't he decided that he was no longer going to call them news sites because that's not really what they're doing. Now, if, if it were me, I'd probably say something like their propaganda blogs or something like that. Uh, he just decided that they are uh, online authorship platforms or something like that. Uh, but I think that making the distinction of not calling what CNN and MSNBC and New York Times, not calling what they do news is probably uh, one of those things that you can you can creep into your lexicon to try to reverse some of the brainwashing, because while those labels might have been attached to news in the past, they haven't for several years. And even calling them news anymore, I think, is is using the the wrong kind of term and is giving into the double think. Well, yeah. And a free press is vital to a country like the United States. And something needs to be done because it is getting scary. Now, I'm not going to say that One American News and Newsmax and these other, you know, more right wing Outlets that are out there aren't biased. They certainly are. Everybody has a bias. But the fact that only one side again is being shut down and what we're being fed is news, as we always laugh about these sites, they don't really give you facts and figures anymore. They're nothing but opinion. And I made the mistake. I mean, every now and then I accidentally click on the life hacker site. And uh, oh, that must be terrible for it, you. It is I, there. There's counseling available for that sort of thing. But the the article was, this won't be a normal inauguration day. So I'm like, oh, well, how is it different? Because one, if you listen to No Agenda, and a lot of the people listening to us do, you just heard the clips that they played of the unrest that was going on during yeah. the Trump inauguration. And so, so for for security reasons, Biden won't be there. <laughs> but twenty thousand troops are going to be there here's here's and a hint to vet for, every one of them yeah here here's a hint for any would-be dictators out there if you need twenty thousand troops to protect your inauguration from the people who allegedly elected you maybe you're not legitimate well i i won't go that far because it's always possible i will it's a I will. Split. He's not a fucking legitimate president. But that's not the reason why you would need. I mean, it, it certainly helps, but it's not the reason why you need the protection as much as the fact as you maybe want to admit that at the very least, the country is evenly divided and you don't have a mandate. Or do they still like to call it woman date now? And I'm on the left. It's confusing, but you don't have a mandate. But that's what they're going to try to push now is that. Oh, yeah, we were voted in. This was a clear case of the American people wanting change, and we're going to do what we say. It's like, no, it was so close, no matter which way it went. And I do believe there was fraud in the election, and I do believe it tipped it. 
But even if you take that aspect out of it, you still don't have a mandate. No, no, nobody would have. But do you honestly think they're even going to bother with the mandate rhetoric? They already are. I'm okay because I'm getting the impression that uh, the 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 new ruling class have decided that they've won, which I got to admit, the evidence is piled up for that is such that they don't even need to justify themselves anymore. I don't, I don't get the feeling that Joe is going to go out there and say, well, more people voted for me and therefore I am mandated to institute all these progressive policies that he's planning on bringing in, like, like, you know, destroying our energy economy by shutting down pipelines and, and confiscating all guns in, in direct violation of the uh, bill of rights. And he's going to do all these things because he, I don't think, but, but I, I, when he comes and does them, I don't think he's going to justify it by saying, you know, well, I got a mandate. I think he's going to justify it by saying, I'm the one standing in the Oval Office and fuck you. Well, there are other Democrats that have used the M word, but you did hear what Joe Biden wants to model the whole country after now, don't you? This was brand new. This is news within the last like 12 hours. Um, Nazi Germany, because they're, they're really on par for that. Very close. California. Same thing. Joe Biden wants to use California as the blueprint of what they're going to do in the country. Yeah. Oh, my God. How? Well, it, even without Biden, it's sort of happening because all of the people, the people who are fleeing California because it's getting too tough for them are going off to the rest of the country. And and then, of course, you know, voting in California policies what sane person looks at california and goes hey no that's what we want in every fifth all 50 states that's what we want gavin newsom well jb pritzker pull him out of office so that should also i mean does joe not know they're recalling gavin newsom i mean jay fucking insley (laughs) i mean you guys are california light i mean although you're you're getting close you're getting close Uh, yeah but yeah the the biggest thing hampering Jay Inslee is that uh, in in from going full California is that there are uh, a lot of laws on the books. And more importantly, there's a lot of culture where only 20 years ago, this was a a blue collar state. And there's a lot of a lot of cultural things that like um, it, regardless of what the the new Seattle Marxism is trying to push on people. Uh, guns are very much part of the culture and it's a part of the, the rural culture, especially in Eastern Washington, but the, the forested mountain area, the idea of, of walking up a mountain through a forest with a gun in your hand and a dog next to you is, is a part of the, the idea of what makes Pacific Northwest culture. So he's fighting against that. It's very difficult to, get rid of guns for that reason uh you know he has been pushing for instituting an income tax washington is one of the few states in the nation that does not have an income tax and we haven't had an income tax for a long time we have one of the highest sales taxes in the state and as even you know as even people on the left will point out that's pretty regressive sales tax hits the uh the poor disproportionately more than the rich. It's one of the reason why there's a ton of billionaires living in Washington state because, Hey, no income tax. They can make as much money as they want. And then they just have to pay some taxes for the few things they buy. Yeah. It's regressive. But when people like Inslee 
come out and say, we need to institute an income tax. He doesn't mean repeal the sales tax. He means we want an income tax on top of the ridiculously high sales tax. Right. And the people of the state don't want that. You know what? I would even vote in. I mean, assuming that uh, that a vote mattered anymore, um, an income tax into this state if it came as a result of a, it. It would require a state constitutional amendment to because the the Washington State Constitution has uh, a clause in it that straight up says, "Thou shalt not have an income tax." Or the legislature, with their Democrat supermajority, would have already done it. But yeah. I would even vote in that constitutional amendment under one condition. If you institute an income tax, even 1%, you also have to completely abolish all sales tax. And then we can go be like Oregon. See, we have or- both in Illinois, but we know what politicians want. If I can uh, paraphrase the great thinker, William Broad, otherwise known as Billy Idol, they want more, more, more. That of course is, they do. That is what they want. They want more of your money. We've talked about that ad nauseum. The wealth tax that they want to put in for uh you know that was elizabeth warren and of course it starts with well you know only with the top one or two percent but don't worry it'll come around to everybody you have any money sitting anywhere oh yeah they will tax it and that's why they want to get rid of cash because you know what happens if you put cash in a box and you hide it in your backyard they don't know it's there but if it's in a bank account or a bitcoin account or anything like that they know it's there but but slippery slope is a fallacy i read about that on reddit and I understand if you don't attach yourself to the wall, but it's getting there. People will argue I, no, that. just the, the idea that, you know, what if, if you like if you ever get a wealth, tax, even if you're like, OK, this is a wealth tax on Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and that's it. Then the next year they'll expand it to everybody else over a certain income range. And then the next year they'll expand it to everybody who owns a company. And then the next year it's everybody who makes more than a million. And then the next year it's everyone who makes more than 200,000. The year after that, it's 100,000. And pretty soon uh, you got a wealth tax on everybody. Uh, And in fact, it'd be, you know, pretty soon it's a wealth tax on every, even the homeless and the people on unemployment is like, well, whatever you have, send some, send it to us. And, and we'll give you some back. You know, of course, suddenly you have communists. That that is the slippery slope argument. And well, everybody, every time somebody says it's a fallacy, I'm like this has happened every what time. Qualifies as rich now. If you work for fifty years, just to make this easy, and we're able to squirrel away ten thousand dollars a year for your retirement. Now you're seventy years old. Say, you start, well, you could be even a little younger. But you now you have a half a million dollars or more. I mean, it may have made you're hopefully if your investments are doing better than just taking that money. And, Fifty thousand a year can't even buy groceries in Seattle. But if you take that 10 grand a year. So now you have, you know, a half a million dollars over 50 years, 10,000 a year. You have 500,000, hopefully more if you had good investments. But so even if it was just taking that money and putting it in an account that earned nothing, you've been saving for your retirement. And you now have a half a million dollars in the bank. They're going to go, well, you're rich. Like, well, you're not. The only reason you're rich is because you put ten thousand yeah. dollars a year and save for your retirement, where all these other asshats decided that they're just going to spend more than they're making. And at the end of the day, the government's going to bail them out with your money. And that's where mm-hmm. revolutions come from. You remember back in the day when, uh, in oh well, God, this has to be back to the eighties when in. in in order to be financially a, a good citizen, a, a good consumer, you you had to save your money and it, you had to uh, 
uh, you know, never spend more than you have and make sure that you have a good nest egg. And somewhere along the line, I'm not sure when, possibly when the credit card companies got their lobbying departments. Now being a good consumer is going out and making sure you max out all your lines of credit. Right. What happened? When did, when did this happen? What happened? Well, isn't that the whole idea of what the radical left wants to do with the United States? You want to ring up so big of a debt that you just can't get out of it without collapsing. And I mean, the, the, the idea that we're dancing around here is that uh, the Marxism and collectivism in general kind of requires that every single human be a subservient slave to the ruling state and putting everybody into debt is a really great way to put you into economic slavery, which sets you up for real slavery. Well, yes. And that's what we're looking at now with COVID. This is why the people that have small businesses, I mean, or just have lost your job. The reason why the government offering look at Georgia offering Joe Biden came out and said, well, if you, if you elect our people as senators, You'll have a check immediately in your hand for $2,000. It didn't happen yet, Joe. So they may be coming for you. That's maybe why you need all the extra guards at your inauguration. But I digress. Maybe, maybe that's Joe's only lie. Oh, sure. Maybe that's Joe's yeah. only lie. That's, uh, I'm, <laughs> there could be a podcast about Joe's lie and you know how long Joe lies, you know how long that would take weeks. We would just never be able to go off the air if you went down. Uh, not, not until he quits talking. He keeps coming out with more stuff, but this is. What COVID-19 has done, which it, by collapsing the economy, it has made everybody afraid for their futures, not just even getting sick from a economic standpoint. They're afraid of what's going to happen. So the government that says, oh, we'll take care of you and we'll just give you free money. All of a sudden that starts looking better and better. I mean, they forget the fact that it's the same government that's going, you can't work. <laughs> and this is why you're in this situation is because we did it to you. I mean, it really is. What's it? A Munchausen syndrome when the, uh, you know, people that are being held captive start liking the people holding them captive. That's, I believe, Munchausen. Uh, uh, I think that's what's happening yeah. here. Stockholm. Stockholm syndrome. I'm sorry. Munch uh, Mun Munchausen is when you you aren't you're healthy, but you think you're you know that might be happening too that could be yes when, you know when you're when you're healthy but you think you're sick with everything and and need treatment you it's the people who the healthy people who go waste doctor's time by seeking out treatment for diseases they don't have that's munchausen yeah see i can't which, get anything right i should just stop talking well no i'm I'm just thinking that that's actually something that's also happening to the whole population is everybody is seeing covid everywhere they look and I under, uh, yeah, and I can get it. I mean, it's like that's uh, your it, it's a big change psychologically for people. And it's interesting as, you know, somebody that used to go out to concerts quite a bit, you know, before the cell phone thing where people start holding them up in front of you. But, you know, I've been around, you know, mosh pits and you're like, really, there's no room between you and the people around you. And I think a lot of people at this point are scared to even go back out in public. And I don't know if any vaccines going to fix it. I don't know how long it's going to take for the psychological effects of what's been happening here that are going to be able to 
be removed if ever. And unfortunately, one of the things that I think this virus has done has taken enough people in the United States and turned them from people that would have otherwise looked at a lot of this government overreach and been like, no way, man, this is America. We're not going to do that because of what's happened under this virus are now going, well, you know, that seems reasonable. We should we should let them try that. I mean, and if California is going to be your if that's going to be your guide. Oh, my God. These are the people with the most restrictive lockdowns in the country and where the virus seems to be running the most rampant right now. So it tells you something, but nobody's listening to what it's telling you. What you just described is the entire reason why they decided to manufacture a pandemic is because if you can keep people scared, then it completely short circuits the reasoning portion of the brain uh and then people start to act like uh they do whatever it is that you tell them uh i something that i wanted to put out just just let this float out there i don't have a hell of a lot to say because i don't need to um but in the department of history repeating itself uh the in germany uh the municipality of baden-württemberg uh, is uh, now talking about uh, using converting one of their jails into a uh, a COVID quarantine center for any repeat offenders who refuse to quarantine. Um, the state of Saxony, who happened to be building a brand new refugee camp, is dedicating 40% of the camp to people who flout quarantine. Um, so congratulations, Germany. It, it's it's 80 years later, just long enough for almost all of your people to completely forget your own company, country's history. But now you're taking everybody who does not believe in covid. You're taking them and throwing them into death camps. Congratulations. Way to go, Merkel. Is that bad? Death camps? I thought those were coming here. That, that was death well, panels. The, the last time that that they had a. Uh, uh, authoritarian leader with almost unlimited power um it, it took the combined forces of a lot of other countries to convince them that maybe uh freedom is a thing and i'm still but, trying to wrap my head around the post you know, that's the kind of world. thing that 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 our grandparents probably would have listened to what i just said and their jaws dropped on the ground but it turns out that the the neo-marxist generation really have never even listened to their parents, let alone our grandparents. So, um, well, I mean, history, right? Well, that's, that's my question. What do you think the long-term effects were? Because after Hitler, anything Nazi related became illegal in Germany. You couldn't buy Mein Kampf. You couldn't, you know, get, you couldn't get your hands on any of that kind of documentation. It really seemed to me. Yeah. You know, their excuse, of course, was, well, we, we want to we want to stop it. Yeah. We, this, we this don't want to incite. encourage it. Right. This is would be, this. This could incite. It's like, but yeah, you're not teaching. That's the. But, but yeah, information about history could maybe convince people that, hey, not everything was good. <laughs> I don't get it. I really yeah. just don't yes. get why they. And, uh, and you have a point that that 80 years of completely suppressing all information about Germany's history is is clearly putting them on a road where they're going to try to repeat it. Yeah. And it wasn't like, well, we can't have any of this for five years or 10 years. It's like all the Nazi stuff, as far as I know, is still illegal. Sure. In Germany. 
Sure, you can't use a Buddhist symbol in Germany, but apparently an Antifa flag, which means the same thing, is totally okay. Well, yeah, it's different. Antifa's not even real. It's just an idea, man. Joe Biden told me. Uh, that The flag is real. I've, I've seen it. No. In fact, I've, I've seen it on top of the Space Needle. Really? Yeah, they flew an Antifa flag one day on top of the Space Needle. Wow, that just is so, so very woke of the city of Seattle. <laughs> I'm, I'm yes. assuming somebody just broke in and, and put that up there, right? No, they didn't do it. Yes, and I'm sure that somebody was given a key by the the maintenance department in City Hall. <laughs> that is that is I'm, helpful, and and I'm sure that person was totally supported by the city council and mayor. Yeah, yeah, it but might I mean, have been the city council and mayor. But as we we started out before we went off on a uh, little bit of a tangent, there was violent protests during the inauguration of President Donald J. Trump. So. The fact that the fine people that I'm sure are just great journalists over at Lifehacker, I'm sure they're aware of that. And they, they mentioned that in the article. I'm sure. No, they don't. But the funniest. Well, they don't mention in the article. I don't know if they're aware of that or not. I keep going back and forth between uh, the people who write stories like this uh, are. I'm not sure which it is because both could could produce the same result. But are they actual like evil conniving jerks who know the whole story and only present you the one side that propagandizes you in the right direction or are they useful idiots who honestly believe the drivel they're spouting and therefore are perfectly happy to propagandize you in accordance with the corporate narrative i think some are well aware of it but i would guess a a bigger percentage are just the useful idiots that are following along in lockstep. I mean, I can't prove that, but they write these articles with such this vile hatred that I think they believe it. Now, why they believe it's anybody's question, but this is journalism or Lifehacker. And I understand you say, no, it's no, Lifehacker. What Lifehacker, but, what Lifehacker does is not journalism. But is it any different than CNN? No, probably not. And they're, they're, no, it's not. They are opinion blogs. And that is the problem. They're, they're not they're not news. They're not journalism. First sentence, gonna, Joe Biden's inauguration on January 20th will be unlike any other in modern memory. Well, how do you know? It hasn't happened yet. So how do you yeah. know it's going to be different? Be the, it'll be the the first time in modern memory that that we've inaugurated an unelected president. <laughs> I mean, there's always been security. Granted, security may be a little bit higher, but that they follow then the second sentence. After the assault on the U.S. Capitol by a violent mob of the current president's supporters, authorities across the country are wary of follow-up attacks, not only in Washington, D.C., but in all 50 state capitals. Well, one, there really haven't been enough investigative uh, things done to know whether the violent part of the mob was. Did you notice they don't even say Donald Trump supporters? It's just the current president's supporters. But there's well, really... Yeah, they no proof. They don't yet. want to say the name. You're right. They're the kind of people who won't say that name without spitting on the floor afterward. I mean, I've already seen proof that there were BLM and Antifa folks in the Capitol. So this wasn't just Donald Trump supporters out there. But, now, but those facts are inconvenient. I understand. Al Gore has taught us all about the inconvenient truths. Um, the threat of further violence threatens to mar the peaceful transition of power. After the 2020 election handed Joe Biden a victory. Now, here's my favorite part. 
results the president and a minority of Republican lawmakers have falsely contested for months. Wait, yeah, they, they well, falsely they, contested. I mean, they, they haven't actually contested. I mean, falsely being added there <laughs> is well, is falsely really, being added there is is part of their bias. And it's part of the if you say it enough times, it becomes the truth. It's like it, it doesn't make any sense. They, you know, but, but hey, putting, I get it. Putting in words like falsely and baseless whenever you talk about claims made by people you don't agree with is a propaganda tech technique. They talk about that sort of thing on No Agenda all the time. Falsely contested yeah. for months. No, they've they've contested it for months. Uh, I mean, falsely contested would be something something different. I mean, I don't even know how that would. Uh, that would work it's like well no they have contested i mean they have contested and have been shot down so you can say lawmakers have you know contested but courts have decided otherwise but the language and all this stuff is interesting to look at especially now that we're in the age of words being so very important that they're so very dangerous you can't say certain pronouns oh my god you go to jail in some places if you mispronounce somebody. So congratulations. We have no freedom of speech anymore. I I was, I was asked actually only just recently this week, uh, why I have to swear so much on this show and why I have to use cuss words, why I have to say shit and fuck all the time. And I, I, I thought about it and it's, you know, cause I don't actually speak this way to, to my friends and family or, you know, I wouldn't have any friends and family, so maybe I shouldn't have, but the, the reason why I am really free with language, especially, you know, on this show or anywhere that I am, I'm trying to, because I don't want, I don't want the idea that there are, I don't like the idea that there are words that you just shouldn't say i absolutely understand the decorum things but again it's a slippery slope argument why you know if if we ban fuck then why can't we ban retard if we ban retard why can't we ban idiot uh you know how come and and at what point do we start banning the word trump they haven't done that yet I did it. It's not actually banned, although apparently it's on its way now that people who who are pretending to be journalists are just saying the current president or the occupant of the White House. But I I am in favor of free speech in every way, shape and form. And one of my ways of doing that is that I will not self-censor anything that I say in a place where I am championing free speech now if i'm in a job interview hell yeah i'll self-censor i probably won't sell out yeah i you know when when somebody comes up to me and is like so uh you know we we here we're only a python shop uh i hope you're okay with that and i hope you have at least 12 years of python then i won't actually call him a dickhead out loud i might think it but it it all depends if you want the job here here on the show you know why and it's not that i i don't have to go out of my way to insert extra curse words frankly uh the the mood is always there when talking about a lot of these things like jake fucking insley and that sort of thing but i am i'm not going to censor myself at all on a show 
where I have already come out and said part of the purpose of this show is we want to encourage freedom of speech and freedom of speech means you can say anything you want and you have the right to get offended, but you do not have the right for anybody else to give a shit whether you're offended or not. Before the show, I was playing a couple of tunes on the stream and I played the two live crew band in the USA. And for a song that is 30 something years old now, seems very, very current in so many ways. And uh, I don't know if that is a good thing. I mean, I think it's a bad thing that this was something people were actively fighting against that many years ago. And the problems have gone in the other direction. We certainly don't have more freedom of speech than we did in the 1990s. I don't think there's any question about that. And I don't, you know, back then it was, well, you know, your freedom of expression. And as you said, I mean, if you want to use whatever language you want to use, that should be allowed. I mean, I would question some of that. It depends on your audience. I mean, if you want an audience that, you know, if you want the parents to be able to listen to grumpy old Ben's when they got the toddlers in the car, then there's probably some words you don't want to throw around. So, I mean, there's there are reasons why you might want to keep the show a little bit more friendly in that regard. But, you know, there are some times that it's called yeah. for. And it, it definitely makes more of an oomph when it's not done all the time. I mean, that is, there's no question about that. The more a word is used, the less impact that it has, I believe. But but I'm not even doing it for uh, emphasis. I'm doing it to normalize the term. But are you? Are you really normalizing? I, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I will say that to the troll room, fuck you, Progo, stop trying to censor me. Progo would never censor you. He might boot you out of the troll room, as he did to another show's co-host way back when. But, you know, that's just his job. He's doing his job at the No Agenda Stream which you can find at noagendastream.com. It looks a little different now. There is a new interface. A lot of people hate it, but I do believe, I mean, I can you verify this for me, somebody, that the old interface was probably Flash. I haven't really used it, so I don't know, but I know Void Zero, the great Mark Van Dyke, just changed that. So if you're going to into the troll room during No Agenda or during Grumpy Old Benz or whenever, and you're using the web interface, it looks a little bit different right now. The troll room looks a little different because the whole servers behind everything were also updated recently. So make sure you have the latest edition of whatever software you're using. And don't worry, the trolls are still there. They still want to interact with you at noagendastream.com and be there when we do these shows live on Friday and Monday at noon Eastern and be there on Thursday and Sunday when No Agenda does their show at noon Eastern. and. uh any other time, you'll still find people there, including Sir Matthew of Maps with Matt, the podcast that only made it three episodes, but it's still legendary among people in the community. Uh, legendary because people in the community will not let Matt ever live that down. I know. But we love Sir Matthew. He's doing a good job, but he's doing better journalism than the people on CNN. So maybe can we get Sir Matthew on CNN. I think that would be. You, why do you wish such terrible things on Sir Matthew? <laughs> it, would be, it would be a good gig for him. And then he could just start promoting our show, kind of like No Agenda when they promoted Grumpy Old Ben's during yesterday's show. It's always good. It's always so good. So, as long as we're on the slippery slope topic, um, 
there is a, a group out there called the Coalition for a Safer Web who are suing Apple, demanding that they remove Telegram from the App Store. Of course, we need more apps banned. There's no question about it. Absolutely. Um, uh, they quote, uh, Telegram currently serves as a preferred neo-Nazi white nationalist communication channel, banning anti-Semitic and anti-black incitement during the current wave of protests across America. Wait, is that like on uh, the Nazis homepage that this is their preferred method of uh, communicating? Uh, if, if by Nazis you mean coalition for safer web, yes, apparently it is. Um, they also said Apple has not taken any action against Telegram comparable to the action it has taken against Parler to compel Telegram to improve its content moderation policies. So they are saying, hey, Apple, you banned Parler for this, banned Telegram for this too. That's and- true. I mean, if it, again, if we're going down to there's free speech and people can say whatever they want without moderation, which was the problem with Parler. That they were very clear about that in the app stores that that removed it was no moderation, dangerous. We don't allow that. Now, I don't know how any messenger app gets beyond that because I've yet to find a messenger app that obviously will they have to censor. read all your messages. Well, yeah. How are they censoring messages directly between two people? Although maybe this is happening. Well, now, does anybody, has everybody using, you know, uh, we can ask live the troll room. If anybody's actually using something like Facebook Messenger or any of these, where has anybody been live banned or live censored for something you've tried to say in a private chat with one other person? Because if not, that means there's no moderation going on and all of those should be banned. So just just an interesting piece of information. I'll just staple onto the side of this story is that. uh in uh, uh several attacks uh the uh, several of the quote unquote riots peaceful protests whatever you want across all of them um the app most used to coordinate these large groups of people it's not telegram it's not parlor what Insta- do you think it is instagram or twitter iMessage. i whoa well apple should really get <laughs> banned themselves so apple needs to ban apple from the app store yeah i don't understand if that's going to be your criteria, not enough moderation and people can say whatever they want, then every messenger app would fall into that. There's no question unless you are actively censoring what people or monitoring at the very least what people say in private conversations where you cannot know the context, where you cannot know any inside jokes. So, you, you know, you drop a word in there that they find offensive. That's just between you and your buddy. And the next thing you know, you don't have a messenger account anymore. Well, then I don't think anybody's using that service. And they understand that. I mean, these tech companies do understand what's going to happen. I think maybe Twitter didn't get this and didn't understand that there were options out there. They probably figured, well, you know, Parler is going to just get rid of them. But the reality is Gab still exists. And I mean, Gab's not great, but Mastodon still exists with all their different instances, including the no agenda social that a lot of people have happily left Twitter and gone elsewhere. And this is what will continue to happen as long, though, as long as there are alternatives. The problem now is not what Twitter does or Facebook does to people that are using their services. The problem now becomes are the alternates, which actually allow free speech, are they being shut down? Because I, you know, people can easily walk away from Twitter and Facebook 
if they have somewhere else to go. Now, if you don't have anywhere else to go, then that is the bigger problem. But you can so see you what's happening something. in Canada now. Did you see this? This is Canada in uh, 2021. The Trudeau government will introduce new regulations to combat, quote, offensive content and hate speech on social media in 2021, which what they're, they're taking Trudeau's microphone away. I guess so. But I don't understand. How does Canada think they can put legislation in that will combat offensive content and hate speech on social media sites? How? How how does any tin pot dictator come to the conclusion that they have the ability, let alone the moral authority, to stop people from being assholes to each other? I don't know. I don't know. And I don't understand how they think they can do it with services that are not based in Canada. I mean, in the United States, there's a lot of these services that are based here. And as we've often said, I don't understand why. The next great social media sites aren't launched in some place like Panama, who doesn't give a crap about any of this stuff and just says, go at it. But I digress. I don't know why. I mean, unless they're worried that these countries are just going to start blocking things, which may be the case that, you know, if, if Parler or something like that, let's just say they did pop up in Panama. I guess what's to stop the United States from going well, as long as if you want to run a internet service in the United States, you now need to block these services. I mean, then you're down to VPNs and all that, but you you take for, it away from matter, the majority of people. For that matter, what's to stop the United States from just illegally sending troops into Panama to seize the data center and shut something down? Well, they'd have to take over Panama. Not that that would be very hard, but Panama's just yeah, like. I, and how do you, you know that hasn't happened already? I mean, come on. You don't. That was my you probably missed it because I know you sleep late on no agenda days that um, Blue Douche 33, our buddy, was asking with all of these new people that have just signed up for no agenda social. How do we know how many of those are spooks or shills? And I said, how do we know Aaron is not a spook? I mean, this I, is <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly hope some of them are. Well, we might get some some useful dialogue that's you know, not canceled or shut down. Yes. But it's like, this is the interesting part about it's like, you know, this has been going on this service for a long time. Aaron put this thing together, but he's just a no agenda producer. I mean, I don't know if he's ever been vetted and I don't believe this is the case. So don't go off on that uh, aspect of it, but the possibility of it exists. And it's like, Oh, what a data mine this could be, which is, We'll we'll set this up for one of these fringe groups. I mean, no agenda seems to be a dangerous group. Let's just have a black op and let's set up a social media site for them and uh, see what happens. This could be the ultimate honeypot. I don't think it is, but how do we know for sure? All I could tell you is that if if no agenda is a honeypot, if this is what happens when when they decide to set up a giant sting, then. Bring it on, because even if they are going to spring the trap and shut it all down, it it will still have been one of the most awesome experiments in freedom of speech that I've seen in the last several years. Uh, I I guess what I'm saying is that if if this is a honeypot where you're trying to attract people to say whatever they want, then we have had better conversations and more. Uh, freedom of ideas and expression happen on this thing than has happened in the entire history of Twitter 
or the entire history of Facebook. And in that case, I really hope that they set up more honeypots in the future. But that won't matter when they come to arrest you because of what you said there. I've got cats. The uh, the quote here was, however, social media platforms can also be used to threaten, intimidate, bully or harass people or used to promote racist, anti-Semitic, Islamophobic, misogynistic and homophobic views that target communities, put people's safety and risk and undermine Canada's social cohesion or democracy. Sure, Canada. Canada has that. I don't know. They're saying they do. But okay, uh, Canadians in the troll room. Does Canada have social cohesion? I don't or democracy for that matter. The concept of being able to censor the speech online. It never works. The only way you can do it is to pretty much silence everybody. And I don't understand how the tech companies are going to go along with that, because at this point. Are the let me ask you this. Who is more powerful at this point? Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or the United States, Canada. I mean, China may be more because they'll actually kill you. But, you know, I don't know. Well, I, I, I think China is because they because they have had an iron grip on the balls of their economy and all the companies in it for quite a while. I think that there are a lot of it. It's an interesting dynamic that a lot of the deep state Washington, D.C. swamp creatures, the the people who have been at the top of the food chain for decades and just constantly, you know, gerrymandering so that they constantly keep their seat in the very cushy place and and then can hand down edicts. Yeah, Congress. These people are suddenly seeing one of the first threats that they've really ever encountered. That, that might be existential to them. And I'm not talking about Trump or populism these days, although as, you know, as much as I'd like to, that's the one that should be a threat to them. They should be afraid of the people. They clearly aren't by the fact that they're coming out and just shitting all over the public. But what they are afraid of is they're starting to realize that people like Bezos and Gates and Zuckerberg and Dorsey are more powerful than they are. And right. This is happening, you know, this is happening all over the world where, you know, we've had in the last couple of shows, we've had some stories about world leaders all over the world going, you know, it's not actually good that Jack Dorsey thinks he's more powerful than the sitting U.S. president. Right. We can um, shut him because, up. Yeah. yeah. And and what that says is that Jack Dorsey honestly believes that he is more important than uh, the head politician of an entire country. And it, yeah, I, I don't care which side you're on. I, even even if you believe that Joe Biden was uh, completely legitimate and that is you know, the leader of the free world, um, Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey and uh, Bezos, they think that they're more powerful than any politician. And at some point, the politicians are going to start getting up and, you know, this is already happening in a lot of other countries. See our story about Uganda. Um, we're going to see a hell of a lot of regulation come down. And it's funny because the biggest contributions to the Democrat party, the one of the biggest reasons why the Democrats were ushered into office by everybody in the swamp is the, the, the shot callers, the people who choose who wins and loses at Silicon Valley came out in support and put the Democrats in office. And now the Democrats are looking at this going, yeah, but 
we're supposed to be the top of the food chain. We're going to see some really uh, possibly very public, but some really vociferous arguments back and forth. And I think that my prediction is over the next several years, uh, we're going to see some lockdowns on the internet, the likes of which the world has never considered. Well, this is why having a free press is essential because I don't see anybody that is blaming Twitter for the violence at the white house. I'm sorry, at the, uh, at the Capitol building. And it should be for a couple of reasons. No, One, not when orange man bad. Well, orange man's obviously bad. And I'm sure nobody used Twitter at all. As we talked about, uh, and I think it was the last show, everybody blamed parlor. And then the FBI, the first 15 people or so they arrested, none of the people were parlor users, but they were on other social media. But while these riots were going on, Donald Trump's way, everybody knows this Donald Trump's way to communicate directly with the people has been on Twitter for better or for worse. That's what he uses. So when he put the video out saying, go home, don't be violent, respect the police officers, respect the law, go home. Well, that didn't last more than a few moments on Twitter before they deleted it. So how are they not responsible for deleting that message? I mean, they said, of course, it could incite more violence but it was donald trump specifically asking the people who they are the twitter will tell you all these leftist rags will tell you well these were donald trump supporters that were violent well then why did you delete his message of don't be violent go home uh, um, did the, the question you asked how is twitter not responsible well why is nobody section, pointing the section finger 230 at them? but why is nobody pointing the finger at them for being responsible for deleting this I mean, forget uh, Section 230 for a minute. This is just well, a well, one case incident. OK, so uh, the reason nobody's pointing the finger at them, at least in, you know, in the mainstream, for example, is that they are all lockstep in the orange man bad narrative. And it is important for them to make sure they put as uh, as much blame on Trump and anybody who has ever even remotely said his name without spitting on the ground. You they are they're just putting this. They they need to make sure that the blame all lands there. And even the people who aren't Twitter, even the people who m- might think that Twitter is not the greatest thing in the world, uh, if Orange Man is still bad and that's still the thing we need to push, then that's all they're going to say. So why aren't they saying that? Because there's bigger fish to fry. But it doesn't make any Don't sense. Don't worry. Yeah. As soon as they finally decide that Trump and everybody who's ever thought anything like him are completely canceled from the world and have been sent to the gas chambers, whatever it is that they ultimately end up doing, as soon as they've decided Trump is not a thing, then uh, the 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 left, which is itself a large coalition of people who all self-identify as minorities and generally are uh, selfish people who don't really care about any of the other groups. And the only reason why the Democrat party is even a thing is because a very large number of minority groups who are all fractured have decided to get together in order to rage against the establishment, whatever that happens to be. Well, as soon as the thing they're raging against goes away, they will totally resume to infighting, which is another thing that I see happening in the next couple of years is you are going to see groups from leftist groups against leftist groups go at each other's throats. As soon as they've decided that the specter of conservatism has been completely erased. 
and blitz says uh, don't who cares done with twitter and that's not, that's really not the point here the point is this is what the president used it's a good point to it's get just his not the message point. out it's not a good point because that is when the president's using that platform to get a message out to stop the violence and the platform deletes it they are responsible for it there's no question about it that is i mean i I agree if you don't want to be on twitter don't be there but in this case this is where the president of the united states put out the message saying don't be violent and it was deleted by the platform they have to be responsible for that if not then uh i don't know but i mean of course i'll hold them responsible with you i just don't think you're going to get a lot of uh, until until the narrative shifts to Twitter has too much power and also needs to be canceled. Uh, you're not going to see any of the you know, establishment left, the, the opinion blogs that call themselves news. You're not going to see it in there. The, even if, even if some reporter decides, Hey, you know, Twitter's actually kind of a problem here. Their editor won't let them violate the, the spirit of the narrative. Well, they missed the story because that was the story was the message from Calm and Peace was deleted. It should have been. Yeah. But, you know, again, I guess we're at fault because we just keep exploiting the loophole in social moderation. And according to the according to the AP, (laughs) this loophole is podcasting. And I know they Uh, talked about this on no agenda, but we're also podcasters. So I think we needed to bring this one up because this is not the first story that is pushing this narrative. We saw one about a month or so ago, which somebody else put out, which is, you know, podcasts that were all the, the, all the crazy alt-right people. They're all podcasting and nobody is censoring them. They can say whatever they want, which if you're a leftist today, there is nothing scarier, obviously than letting people have free speech. And it's an interesting world we live in. It's very Orwellian. There's no question about it. But this is the Associated Press. Again, a group that I believe at one point was a legitimate news organization. I don't believe they really are anymore. The article from the AP, major social platforms have been cracking down on the spread of misinformation and conspiracy theories in the lead up to the presidential election and expanded their efforts in the wake of the January 6th Capitol riot. But Apple and Google, among others, have left open a major loophole for this material. Podcasts. Ooh, it's just, podcasts are scary now. We know they're coming for the podcast. We're next because they've already got the ability to censor whatever they want on Twitter, including the president. They've already been able to shut down complete social networks like parlor so now the troublesome things in in youtube as well i think it's interesting if uh, paul alvarez is listening paul the book guy he's been talking about his youtube channel he's been talking about it on twitter so right there maybe is a problem but he's been talking about just how many of his videos and his previous views, there's been a bunch of stuff deleted from his account. I guess enough of his views have been deleted. Hours of people watching his content. The stats have been deleted, which I don't know enough about the YouTube. I mean, I know I post some reviews there now and then, but I don't know 
exactly how their system works, but I guess there are certain levels. If you have enough views, you get more ability to, you know, spread whatever. And I guess they took away a bunch of his previous views, which dropped him down to another level. And it's like the, the answer is just get off of YouTube. The the big thing with YouTube and this uh, happened like twenty eighteen was they you know early on it was uh you know you sign up for our affiliate program or whatever and uh, uh, okay you you all can stop telling me how wrong I am about how YouTube works I've never posted a single video there oh no really cat videos well, who is what is the YouTube channel Bemrose's cats is that not you. Uh, hello, there's another Bemrose that lives, oh. lives in this okay. household and posts a lot more cats. Um, <laughs> but I, I've never posted there. But the the one thing that I know is uh, early on, you could sign up and get a video monetized uh, with very, very little friction. Right. And you might only get a couple cents per year if you know your videos didn't do. But basically, every time that that a that you're you got a view you got some fraction of a penny as a result of that and in 2018 they made a big change that of course was uh something that caused all kinds of waves in the entire youtube community like they can't do this well actually they can because you built your entire existence around somebody else's platform we know that's a problem now the next paragraph in this article podcast made available by the big two tech companies, let you tune into the world of QAnon conspiracy theories, wallow in President Donald Trump's false claims of a stolen election, and bask in other extremism. Again, this is the AP, which once was a decent news organization. Oh, that old rag. Podcast made available by the two big tech companies. I don't think they understand how podcasts work. What, two? Right. Two? Okay. Wait. Which two? I like. Are they talking Apple and I Google? Guess Apple obviously. And Spotify. Oh, Google. Okay. Right. Because these are. I mean, they only believe this is the way to get podcasts. I, I guess. I uh, no, but that's okay. Uh, Newpodcastapps.com. I just want to throw that out there. You know the well, again the intriguing thing is when Apple especially we've talked about this in the past. Google it's much easier to sideload apps and do things like that. Not as easy in the Apple ecosystem. I mean, are we that far away from Apple? And I think we are because I think Apple understands what this would do to their business. And I think a lot of people would get rid of their iPhones if the only podcast you could listen to were the ones Apple approved. But that would be the question of are we anywhere in the ballpark where Apple is going? Yeah, we could just delete all of these other podcasting apps from the iTunes store and make people just use our app and we get to control everything. I don't believe they would do that. Am I just being naive? I, I, I'm sorry. I was digging through my notes. I actually brought a story about four weeks ago um, and, and I can't, couldn't find it because of course I'm disorganized as shit. Uh, but uh, of a, a, an article which was talking about shareholders. Um, oh, oh, it was, uh, it was Amazon. It was an article talking about Amazon shareholders suing the company for or not. No, it wasn't Amazon. It was Twitter. I'm stupid. Um, suing the company for destroying a, a prized uh, company asset for unrelated political reasons. And, and the shareholders were suing over getting rid of Donald Trump when they banned Trump. 
Twitter shares went down and the Twitter shareholders got really angry and are actually starting a lawsuit against the company. Um, the reason I bring this up is you asked the question is, are the companies, are the people in charge of these companies that dumb? And at least in the case of Twitter, yes, yes, they are because they are willing to destroy shareholder value for the purpose of pushing their political agenda. And I'm happy that shareholders are coming back and saying, yeah, what you did is actually illegal because as a corporation, your responsibility is to us and not your own political biases. Well, yeah, because Trump has a ton of followers, at least did on Twitter. And there's a lot of those people that will follow him somewhere else. And that will take those eyeballs off of Twitter. And Omega Project brought up the the correct term. It was called failing in their fiduciary duty. Yes, their fiduciary responsibility is to make money for the company. Yes. Emphasis on douche. (laughs) And uh, I don't think Apple is quite that far yet, because I think Apple does understand. Although Progo points out Tim Collins is Tim Collins is a drink. That's Tom Collins. That's uh, a drink. uh, Cook. Yeah, whatever. (laughs) Progo lets us know. I mean, of course, if you're on an iPhone and they do this, well, like grumpy old bands and random thoughts, and I'm sure others, you can subscribe via email. So you get an email when a new show drops, and then you just have to click the link. And that would bypass all of that anyway until they start blocking our emails. You can subscribe via browser. You go to the the site and you bookmark it and you visit it once in a while. It's not quite as convenient as getting a notification. It's not as convenient as getting a notification. But if you just click on that once in a while, you'll see the latest episode. Websites are still a thing. Are they? Are you sure? I I have a web browser on my phone. You have a phone? Probably shouldn't. (laughs) Yeah, it's in the it's in the drawer underneath the cat. (laughs) But this this concept that podcasting as a whole universe has to be greatly restricted all of a sudden. I mean, it's not a surprise when you're, they're going after one American news and Newsmax, and we saw what they did to poor old Alex Jones, but I don't guess that they quite understand how podcasting works. There is no easy way to just turn off all of the podcasts they don't like. Although I think they may start going after people. I mean, God bless Adam Curry and Dave Jones for doing what they're doing over at podcastindex.org. Oh, yeah. Which is creating a whole nother database where podcasts can be listed that is outside of the control of any large tech companies. Uh, And a lot of these apps are using this now as Either their main source, even if it's not the main source, having it as a source is very or, important. Or even a backup. Yeah. Right. Like if, if a, for example, if a show disappears out of the Apple index, um, a lot of these apps now will just, uh, fall back to, okay, well, is it in the podcast index? And I am, you know, they're one of the taglines that they use, at least on, on the podcasting 2.0 podcast, which plays on the no agenda stream is they say, uh, preserving a platform for pre free speech because podcasting started out as a platform for freedom of speech. Adam Curry is very, very interested in freedom of speech uh, and the, you know, preserving it because it was already there and it's under attack. This isn't about creating, you know, creating a platform for deplorables. It's about preserving podcasting for what it always was, which is a place where lots and lots of different people with lots and lots of different opinions and experiences can speak what they want. 
without having to submit to central control. And for that reason, I absolutely applaud them. And also for that reason, um, they're going to be in the crosshairs when, when the people take this AP story to heart, you know, that it's coming up. The, the cancellation against evil podcasts is going to come in earnest at some point and Apple and Google will be on board. And, and I hope podcast index is decentralized. That is the concept. And the, Way you deal with anybody saying anything to me shouldn't be any different, whether it's in person, whether it is on a social media site, whether it's on, you know, the comments in any random website you may go that offers comments or podcasting. All of these things should be treated the same way. If you come into contact with somebody that says something you don't like, turn them off. Yeah. Punch them. (laughs) Well, Okay, you You may wind up with repercussions for that (laughs) one, but this concept that people need to be protected from speech is still a very foreign one to me. And I don't think, again, we that goes right back to the Hitler quote. If you convince somebody that it's for the children, well, they'll give up almost any of their liberties because, you know, it's for such a good cause. That's what we have going again here, because Uh, that is what's being used unpopular opinion people are way too protected online even on uh, a, an open free speech platform even somewhere like 4chan or 8chan or whatever how many, whatever number they're up to now um people have way you know anonymity is an incredibly powerful tool and it, it is an important tool and i think it needs to stick around um but i think that the biggest social problem that the internet brought upon us is that in removing face-to-face communication it removed a lot of the uh, accepted social constructs Uh, in in particular here's here's i guess what i'm talking about hypothetical um if you and i meet each other uh, on the street or in in a back lot or you know anywhere in chicago then i mean uh, assuming we don't assuming we don't both get shot and i just walk up to you and out of the blue go uh, you know, you're a fucking Nazi cocksucker. Then you're going to hit me. Well, at least you should. Well, it depends I, I if know. I have my nine, I could just use. Yeah, you, know. you could do that too. But um, <laughs> if two people meet, if, if two people connect in meat space and one of them becomes unreasonably antagonistic and a total jerk out of the gun, uh, you know, out of the start, then there are, and, and it's not everybody, not everybody's going to do it. And you might be in a good mood and you'd be like, yeah, ha ha ha. That's Sir Pemrose. What a, what a, you know, right wing could, yeah. but, um, there's the chance and it's a small chance, but it is a risk that there might be real world physical consequences. Right. Uh, when, when people, you know, before the internet, people had to communicate in, in meat space face to face. And you had to, when you wanted to talk to somebody, you got together physically. And if you were a total asshole, there was the possibility that you'd get punched. And I know that doesn't sound nice. And it's, oh, you know, physical violence is never the answer. But the, the very idea that physical violence could even be a thing is enough to keep lots of people far more polite. That is not, it doesn't exist online. If well, you go meet some random person on Twitter and they say, uh, you know, you're you're a cock eating faggot or something like that. 
what can you do? I, I mean, I guess you can block them, but that's effectively the same as, okay, I'm walking away and nothing else happened to you. And if they weren't planning on interacting with you anymore, then, then boo hoo. So there's no consequences to being a total jerk. And we've now had a generation and a half of people whose primary interactions are in a space where there are no social consequences for being an asshole. Right. And I, well, I think it goes even beyond the consequences. I do think that the average person would think twice about making all sorts of comments to somebody face to face, not just because they might get punched, but because they would be embarrassed or, you know, they know you're being an, an asshole and they don't want somebody to think that. But, you know, if you're anonymous, it's way easier. And that's why trolling on the Internet has always been a thing. We have the troll room, you know, no agendas troll room famous for that kind of behavior, because that is what the Internet was kind of set up for, which is why all of a sudden when this is finally now by the the really woke people, they decided that this kind of stuff just can't be allowed. People can't be allowed to say whatever they want. That's why we have to now start clamping down on language of all sorts. But I mean, you're right. The fact that Internet interactions have way less consequences, whether it's you're getting punched in the mouth or whether you just feel, you know, embarrassed for saying something. I mean, there's a lot of people who would never physically confront somebody, even if there wasn't the possibility of getting beat up. People just don't want confrontation, especially the millennials. So this is an interesting thing as well, not only about getting punched, but even just saying hello to somebody is now looked at as an aggressive maneuver in the real world. So the the internet only generation doesn't like confrontation and they don't like personal interaction because they were, they were not brought up to in, encounter that, uh, you know, I, I'm the, the internet was not a huge thing. It wasn't a huge part of anyone's life. It existed, but that was about it when I was a kid. And um, most of my, human interaction as a youth was with real people and if i said something out of line which I, I i know it's hard to believe that i might but when i was a kid i didn't have the impulse control that i do now uh you when i i, I there were consequences there were people you know if i said something wrong somebody had you know my dad had paddle my ass and i know that that's that's now officially horrible parenting but you know what i i it worked i learned that oh there's certain things that you know that social society doesn't accept um you just made a connection for me though in my Ooh. mind that i really hadn't considered so i'm gonna i have to give you some credit for this thank you uh the the problem i just described of people can say anything they want without consequences online that might actually be the the problem that's generated by that um the cancel culture might be uh a, an ill-conceived response to that problem the idea that i can say anything i want online and we all know that that being a total dick to somebody with no reason whatsoever out of context is not supposed to be socially acceptable and yet online it's something people are able to do it might be that the the organized youth who are getting together with the idea of well we need to go to your isp and get your domain pulled or something right. 
it is their way of saying you've said something I don't like, and I don't have the ability to punch you for it. So I have to go and try to get you canceled off of the internet. Right. There have to be some kind of repercussions, right? And it's, it's way out of proportion and it's generally mis misdirected and has lots of, of awful consequences that are, well, frankly, not really considered, but that might actually be a re uh, it, it might be, I, I don't know. I'm just I'm flabbergasted at the idea that leftists might be applying logic to anything, but that's kind of a logical <laughs> step. Well, I mean, this is why this AP article is really concerning because they talk about how podcasts are peddling the conspiracy theories, uh, stolen election fantasies, coronavirus conspiracies, you know, and violent rhetoric. I mean, of course, they always throw in the violent rhetoric and i think most fair-minded people would agree that violent rhetoric is dangerous in all sorts of forms which i don't think people should be you know it's the screaming fire in a crowded theater concept you know if somebody was literally out there saying you know kill the president of the united states i would expect them to get a knock on their door that is not protected under well, i would speech. expect it I would expect it. It it actually is under Brandenburg. Um, if if somebody goes on Twitter and just shouts "kill the president," um, that doesn't fit the 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 Brandenburg ruling from 1964, uh, which which is the the criteria is you need to be able to carry it out, and you there needs to be evidence that it is imminently going to happen, and that is what makes it illegal. The the um. It, shouting fire in a crowded theater argument was it was bad in in what 1912 what it was bad when it was made and also that decision has been completely turned around it was turned around 50 years ago well now you don't have so, to cry fire in a crowded theater they'll just they'll just uh, text you if it's happening so just just for the record from legally speaking from a first amendment standpoint you can go on a podcast and shout kill the president and unless you happen to have uh you know people who are on your payroll who are close to the president and capable of taking it out it's not illegal now it's still not a cool thing to say and i would but, understand people shutting you off if that was the format that yes. you went but now the conspiracy theories the Stolen election fantasies and coronavirus conspiracies. Now, we, you and I, I think, both agree that there is a lot in those topics that have a decent amount of truth to them. Now, you know, were they all correct? No. But the question then becomes who gets to decide what can and cannot be spoken about? I mean, YouTube, I believe one of the rules that they now have which is probably why Paul, the book guys having such a problem is any talk about the 2020 election will get scrubbed. So they're yeah. totally shutting that down, but who gets to decide this while we're in the middle of a pandemic, who gets well, to decide apparently where, the, does. where the facts come from? Well, no, but they don't. And this is, you know, this is the problem. And this is where well, the it, government needs to stand up and say, well, either you allow it, but the, the, it crosses, country lines as we've talked about I mean, so there, this there, makes it, it there is there is only lo one logically consistent answer to what you're asking and that is that nobody censors anything it, it the, but that's the moment not gonna that happen you, is it 
Well, they not not unless you know somebody goes out and uh, I'm I'm not even going to say I I was going to say something like well what if somebody goes out and kills all of these Silicon Valley but um (laughs) if under our current system no it's not going to happen because Uh, you do know according to the AP podcasting quote plays a particularly outsized role in propagating white supremacy. You know, in the interest of of going ahead and and reaffirming my worldview that that leftists don't know how to use logic, I'm going to go ahead and make this point, which is something that I'm pretty sure is totally missed by the AP article, uh, because it's it's something that doesn't concern it doesn't even occur to the people with the 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 woke cancel culture worldview, and that is. There are millions of podcasts out there. There are more podcasts being recorded in any particular moment than anybody could listen to. You could not listen to all of them on, even if you were capable of understanding things at 10 X speed, there's too much. There's, there are necessarily going to be podcasts that you don't listen to. The vast majority of those are podcasts you don't even know exist. And that's fine. But why is it a problem that, a podcast like Grumpy Old Ben's, like a podcast that a podcast like uh, you know, Rare Encounter or uh, Abs in a Six Pack or any podcast that that would probably be canceled if if you were able to listen to all of these things and and do this ideal world that the AP is describing. Uh, a lot of podcasts out there talk about things you don't want. You know, I don't personally listen to, say, Congressional Dish, but that doesn't mean that I want to cancel it. Um, because unlike people with the woke ideology, I, I am okay with something existing, even though it's not my personal cup of tea. And I still feel like that is the thing that separates the, you know, the people that I'm railing against from the people that I consider to be rational, which is if, if you don't like a podcast where they use the word Nazi, don't listen to it. That would be the rational, logical, easy thing to do. But the fact that uh, a podcast exists that talks about election fraud is absolutely unacceptable. And it, it, it it's anathema to the, the people who believe that the narrative must be that if Biden is a legitimate and we will cancel everybody you know, the, the left, the very idea that a podcast could exist where somebody talks about something I don't approve of it is it, it's deplorable. Why aren't you thinking of the children? I just don't understand it, but the, I, I, I am the, the AP. Uh, Every regards, time I look at porn, I think I'd have children with that. Per- oh, what? And, and according to the AP, the Bannon's war room, which we've, uh, I think we may have talked about when he was removed from YouTube. They say uh, after he it was, they removed him. YouTube says the article, after he spread false election claims and called for the beheading of Dr. Anthony Fauci. <laughs> I don't know who did that, but I'd buy him a beer. Oh, what? he never called for the beheading. I mean, this again is where reality oh, well, and fantasy land come into effect. I mean, he made a comment, which was, you know, back in the days, you know, going way, way back. He's like, well, you would send a message by putting his head on a fence post. You know, that was. What he okay. said, he didn't actually call for. That's a big difference between saying, go behead somebody now. That's- you know, in 2017, one of the greatest heroes of any of these 
leftist bloggers was that one. I don't remember her name because her name's not worth remembering, but there was that one comedian who put out a picture of herself with a, a picture of, of Trump's bloody head in her hand, Kathy Griffin. And it, it, I, okay. Yeah. Uh, so brave. Oh my God. She posted that. <laughs> okay. It, if that, is that still funny? Is that still socially acceptable? Is that still the kind of thing everybody will applaud you for if you decide to do it with Biden or with Fauci or with Gates? Well, no, Something you're saying that me because that somebody just canceled. said, you know, talked about how Fauci's head on a fence post and that got canceled from YouTube. But did Kathy Griffin? No. Why? Because they're hypocritical dicks. Yes. Yes. It's, I thought this so, was interesting. The AP, they're, they're just schooling people who don't know any better because. They say, quote, Apple, Spotify, and Google curate lists of top podcasts and recommend them to users. Apple and Spotify are the dominant players in the United States with other players far behind, said Dave Zorub, the CEO of the podcast analytic firm Chartable. I mean, okay. uh, I I bet Chartable isn't isn't participating on social.podcastindex.org. Probably Spotify says it takes down podcasts that violate its policies against hate speech, copyright violations, or break any laws using, quote, algorithmic and human detection measures to identify the violations. Apple's guidelines prohibit content that is illegal or promotes violence, graphic sex, or drugs, or is otherwise considered obscene, objectionable, or in poor taste. Okay, so how is Hog Story still on the Apple list? I mean, that's poor taste, right? they're, They're not on Spotify. No, this is Apple. Apple's guidelines prohibit content that is illegal or promotes violence, graphic sex, or drugs. Now that you, now that you've outed them, they're probably (laughs) going to be removed in a minute. Fletcher would like it. He would be like, "That's a badge of honor." Otherwise considered obscene, I take it as a badge of honor. I mean, what isn't considered obscene, objectionable, or in poor taste to somebody? Every show. I mean, Jennifer Briney's show, Congressional Dish. I find to be objectionable and in poor taste most of the time. So that should be removed, right? Again, who, no, who's the arbiter? Uh, whoever's screaming the loudest and also happens to agree with the the censor. Google the, the arbiter is the person <laughs> with their hand on the censorship switch and whoever they ideologically agree with. That's Google, that's what's happening. Google and that's the dec- reason that censorship can't be logically incons- or logically consistent. Google declined to explain the discrepancy between what's available on YouTube and what's on Google Podcasts, saying only that its podcast service, quote, indexes audio available on the web. It's like, wh- wh- why is it different? Because they don't host the content, morons. <laughs> That's yeah. why, AP. I mean, again, do do. I was going to say do the work, but uh, I guess that's <laughs> far and beyond the abilities of yeah, the it associated press. Sounds like they've press. done a little too much work already. Yeah, I, I just don't. I mean, I don't understand. But as podcasters, uh, I think we all have to be ready for whatever is coming down. And again, major props to Adam Curry and Dave Jones and everybody it's- that's helping on the podcast index project, because that very shortly is going to be the only thing keeping a lot of podcasts in the realm of being able to be found when the Apple and Google folks decide to go, Oh, you're going to search in our search. Well, we're not going to show you any of those results. I mean, again, this is going to take also though, people going out and letting family and friends know, don't just use the Apple and Google apps, you need to go here to get the podcasts that are actually free speech yeah. that will dare and say things that some people might consider offensive 
or right. And you, you know that the assault is coming. This AP article is, is just the beachhead. Uh, the, the assault is coming on you know, all forms of free speech. It's been going on for a while. Podcasts are, are going to be the next front on which the, the battle is fought. Uh, right now they're going after the indexes and, uh, that is pretty easily worked around you know, for, you know, for a podcaster, there's not much we can do. Um, but they're, you know, everybody just knows that, okay, well, I look for the app labeled podcast and it's whatever one Apple gave me and, and then they control the indexes. But at some point that won't be enough because people will start to, it'll start to enter into people's consciousness that Apple and Google are censoring and maybe we go to somewhere else. Maybe we download a different app. Um, I, I believe that the war will be fought on the shores of what apps are available. Um, you know, at some point people will, will move to podcast index. I think that they had better watch out because they are in real danger. And I hope that they're, uh, you're preparing for that. Um, but at some point it's going to reach the same place as, as other things on the internet where, um, the, the index system and the app ecosystem becomes decentralized, which is the response of any system to this kind of censorship. When that happens, and my advice to podcasters is this, um, you need to make sure that you're with a host that is not run by wokeists. Yeah, don't be on Amazon Web Service. Don't, yeah, don't, don't be on Amazon. Um, I, I, uh, most of the smaller podcast hosts, I mean, they're not big enough to, to really be able to come out and do it. There's enough competition in that space that we haven't seen it. But when the battle finally comes to the hosting companies, we are going to see purges where uh, I'm, I'm not going to name any names, but if, if you're, if all of your files are hosted on a particular service and that service goes full woke, then you need to be aware that you, you need to be able to jump services, which means among other things uh, have local copies of all yours. I don't even know how many podcast hosts I've heard talk about. Well, I had an entire show, uh, 300 episodes, but um, they were all lost because my account expired. Right. What the hell? Why do you not have local copies of everything? Make sure you have that. Make sure you have the ability to jump hosts if you have to. Make sure that you are hosting your own web page. Do not rely on your hosting company to create your entire web presence because then, you know, when when people decide to go to your site, if, if your site is grumpyoldbens.com, then you can take that and host it wherever you want. If your site is grumpyoldbens.soundcloud.com <laughs> and that's where everybody goes, you're really locked in. Yeah. Um, just be aware. And, and this is not just for the podcasts like grumpy old Benz, like no agenda, like hog story that say things that people might disagree with. This is for every podcast. This is for smash cast for when the, the Puritans come out. This is for uh, maps with Matt for when the flat earthers take control of the government. Uh, there, there are a lot of reasons why you would be canceled and we're normalizing shutting people down for any reason whatsoever. So if you don't want to be canceled, uh, make sure you are in control of your own destiny. And that means don't put don't be a YouTube only show. Be, and control your own content to answer speed bump in the troll room. As far as alternatives to AWS, I suggest going local. If you can, I don't trust any of these huge companies go local. We use a host, which is MDD hosting. 
and they're local here to the Chicago area. They're just in Indiana, which is smarter because, you know, less taxes. But a smaller host will give you better service, one, and two, less likely to just automatically pull the plug on your show if they get a complaint. And because, one, they need your business, and two, as long as you're not doing anything illegal. But the illegal point is why the whole freedom of speech thing should be very, very, very concerning to podcasters out there. Because there's been language used in this grumpy old Ben's and others that I'm sure if some people had their way, they'd be like, oh, uh, Ryan Ben, he said retarded. So we we should be canceled for that. I'm sure in the last seven and uh, now, uh, oh, today, today we're finally using eight bits worth of, of show numbers. Um, nice. <laughs> 128. It's a nice round number. You know, but the R um, word is still being used. You see, there was the 19 uh, year old yeah. girl, which is in the uh, NASCAR, I think, truck series. She's a like the new wonderkin because, of course, they want female drivers. And she was in a virtual race and said something like, oh, whoever that retard is behind me. Virtual race. Yes. In a virtual race said retard on the 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 chat and now she has to go to sensitivity training well i mean the thing is uh you you can probably find in in any podcast especially like grumpy old ben's you could probably scour all 128 episodes and find uh, a couple things that have been said that actually were promoting illegal material i'm not suggesting it uh because you know it's going to be hard to find but um but at least in the united states which is where you and i are located uh we we still technically have freedom of speech we can it it is not illegal to say things we're not in we're not in germany where saying the word nazi will immediately get people pounding on your door and not you know we're we're not in australia where uh apparently just existing causes people to come pound on your door and arrest you um but um it, it, at some point, you know, somebody is going to come for us and I guess have some cookies ready. I don't know where I'm going with this. Probably. Well, this is why you should be concerned about this, because they will use any path whatsoever. If you are doing any kind of content online, it's very easy to get you removed from the Twitters, Facebook, Instagrams, TikToks. That doesn't seem to be a problem. But podcasts are a little bit different still. Because there's no one place they can go to. They have to, you know, one, find your host, which isn't hard to do, to be fair. But then they have to go to that host and give them a reason why they should drop your business. Now, any decent web host will not drop you just because people don't like you. Now, there are some of them that will. Obviously, Amazon, for one, is one I wouldn't want. They're probably the type that, oh, we got one complaint from one person who, you know, could be on a competing podcast who just hates somebody and goes, oh, yeah, I'm going to complain. Let's see what happens just for shits and giggles. I'm going to wherever wherever Fletcher's hosting his podcast, which I think is on the no agenda server, wherever this is, though, I'm going to complain. And then they'll, they'll pull the plug on him. I don't know. That's yeah. not that not, not that hard to believe it could happen with hosts I, that just don't want to deal with it. And if if every other space on the Internet is any indication, uh, when when they finally decide, you know, once Trump is gone, then they're going to come after anybody who's ever said the word Trump without anger. 
and podcasts are going to be a battleground. And like I said, just make sure that if you want to stay up, make sure that you're not tied indelibly to any particular service, unless that is a service you really like. And as you said, the smaller services are better because they, you know, if you're hosted with Spotify, um, Spotify does not lose anything at all by canceling a few thousand, uh, you know, deplorables and they get, you know, the PR boost, but local ISP, if they cancel one person, they can't really take the, the PR hit. The Spotify though. I mean, they're in a little bit of trouble here. The Rogan thing is we predicted here doesn't seem to be working out for them, which I mean, I don't want to take glee in this, but we were right. When we said people Wait, didn't want to yeah, add oh, another I'm sorry, app. Can you say that again? I, I love hearing that. That we we were right. Yes. That we don't want to take glee, though. I mean, the fact that we predicted people weren't going to want to download another app just to listen to Joe Rogan. According to the stats we heard on uh, the No Agenda show, there has been no uptick in people subscribing at Spotify. There's been no uptick in downloads. This seems like. The Joe Rogan edition has done absolutely nothing but Spotify, but give them a really big bill because they have to pay Rogan a whole lot of money. I don't know. Speak for yourself. I take glee in being right about that. Yeah. I mean, Rogan should have figured it out before he did this, because the, the problem, again, in podcasting is deciding. I mean, there's I mean, I understand taking the big check. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But- I, I, I think Rogan made a very logical decision there. He might have even known that this was going to cause his listenership to plummet. And he's like, yeah, but dollars. Yeah, lots of money. But now what he's doing is no longer a podcast because he took himself off all the public listings. He's only behind a paywall or at least a not a paywall yet. Although I bet you Spotify gets there, which, oh, you still want to hear Joe. You better start. You better be on a paid account. Because they're not bringing in enough money and extra downloads to pay Joe Rogan. So I'm guessing the ads are just going to keep increasing and increasing. And at some point, that is a battle that they can't win. But yeah, we called this from day one that this was most likely what was going to happen. Because as much as people like Joe Rogan, there are alternatives. I mean, we're an alternative. No agenda is an alternative. Rogan does really good interviews. But the reality is almost everybody that is interviewed on Joe Rogan's show has been interviewed somewhere else that you can get without logging on to Spotify. So what does Rogan bring? Well, the nature of an interview show is, is people don't watch it for Rogan per se. There are some people who watch it for Joe himself, but most of the people who watch the show watch it because he gets really impressive, amazing interviewers or interviews. Why? Do all of the most interesting people want to be on Rogan because Rogan has all the listeners? Well, if Rogan suddenly doesn't have all the listeners because, say, he's behind a paywall, then he's not going to get the interviews. If he doesn't have the interviews, Rogan does not have a show without the interviewers or without all the people (laughs) signing on. The interviewees. With the interviewees, yes. Yes. And uh, Carolyn Blaney of the Hog Story, Blaney's Hogstory.net says once Rogan left YouTube, she totally forgot about the show. And I think a lot of people did, you know, one thing I didn't realize was that, you know, every show seems to have a, a a chat room or a troll room or just a place where people fans of the show, maybe it's just a subreddit or a discord or something uh, where fans of the show will get together and communicate and 
and talk and chat. And I didn't realize the effect that this was going to have, but going off of YouTube and more importantly, purging all of the YouTube comments effectively destroyed that community for Rogan and Spotify has nothing that's even remotely like it to, to replace. Wow. Uh, well, wow. I said, that's uh, you know, that, that just was just having flashbacks to when I was working for a, a country artist and they went from uh, an open message board. We, uh, what if we were running back at the time, uh, one of these bulletin board and decided that it was only going to be for paying fan club members. And I just remember going, that's going to fuck you. <laughs> Nobody wanted yeah. to listen, but guess what? I, 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 how do, I, how do people, you know, for, for as sophisticated as marketing has become these days, how do people continue to underestimate the value of putting together a community around some property? Yes. That, that is, that is the most powerful, the most powerful fans you are ever going to have are the ones that you put together and you bring them all together with the common interest of your show. So you just control the show and you're like, well, these people are just here because they like the show and they're all talking to each other and they're reinforcing it and they're sharing clips and they're, they're sharing experiences and it, it's the most powerful fans you're ever going to get. And those are the people who, you know, in marketing terms, those are the high value consumers. And how do you just go out and destroy that and be like, yep, we, we did great. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, now I'm, I'm ignorant when it comes to Joe Rogan, cause I'm not a big fan. I have seen a few of his things on uh, YouTube when they it, were there. Every episode of Joe Rogan, I watched specifically because I wanted to see the, per, the, the interviewee who was on the show at that time. The same. But my question is, does he even have his own web presence now outside of Spotify? Does he even have like a Joe Rogan website, which, could have been used to foster a community no matter where he went or wherever wherever the shows may have jumped to. The community could have existed in one place. I'm guessing he does not have that because if the YouTube well, being pulled, everybody went, well, now we there's nowhere to talk. Then obviously there is nothing about uh, there's nothing online where his fans can actually do that under his, you know, all his control. He has, he has Joe Rogan dot com, which the. We got page. rid of a message boards, according to Body Buzz. It's been gone Did for he? a long time. They say he's okay. okay. I mean, well, again, marketing. I, he, he famously he famously says that he doesn't pay attention to the YouTube messages that go by. But that's not even the point. Not everybody, not everybody can pay attention to a troll room during a live show, and not everybody should. There's a lot of people get easily distracted, myself included. Screw you guys. But yeah. Just because you don't pay attention to it doesn't mean that you shouldn't provide or or at least encourage somewhere for people to get together and discuss your show. That's that's free word of mouth. It is the best kind of marketing. And that's it's the hardest kind to get. And you just get it for free if you get enough people who like you and can talk to each other. Yes, that's. And so you you asked, you know, where does he have? I look at Joe Rogan dot com only has his touring schedule. Um, and that's the third result on DuckDuckGo. The first one is Wikipedia. So I, I don't. <laughs> I, um, and the second one is uh, his Spotify show at open.spotify.com slash show slash some gobbledygook, yeah, which that, is totally not easy to remember. Yeah, I will throw a story into the show notes. Privacy focused search engine DuckDuckGo 
grew by 62% in 2020. So th- that's good news for privacy minded folks. Yes. I've been using And, and that. as long as they don't let it go to their head and just and start censoring things, I'm still going to use it. Yeah, it works. It's and, my, you know, my search I was, engine I was a huge. I was a huge proponent of Google the first time that I bailed on Alta Vista back in 1998. <laughs> I was like, these guys are giving me much better results. And they're also, they claim that they don't want to do evil and are in favor of a free internet. Are they? Boy, those were the days. Oh, I like those guys. The free internet guys that don't want to do evil. Where are they? Uh, 1998. Oh, okay. Let me go back in the time machine and <laughs> kick them in the nuts. Yeah. I tell you, but we do have some experts to thank for today's show. And we do work on the value for value model when it comes to being deplatformed like no agenda this is our this is our safety line here because we can't be deplatformed unless they can get rid of the experts the producers whatever you want to call yourselves you're awesome for supporting the show we don't have advertisers and we do the shows and we say hey if you got some value out of this figure out how much value you got and we give you a variety of ways to get value back to us grumpyoldbenz.com where you can find the donate link you can do a one-time or a monthly donation through paypal you can use the qr code or the bitcoin address if you want to do the bitcoin thing and you can use the snail mail po box which i love to set it up with your bank with the auto bill pay and that way nobody takes a percentage every penny comes to us and your bank even pays for the stamp to send the check to us it's a beautiful thing but coming in Today, as the executive producer on today's show, Sir Bates, who a little note here. Great show, gentlemen. Apologize for being 125 shows late to the party. That's okay. That's a lot of content. You can. Yeah. We, we, although, Sir Bates, we do expect you to be caught up 125 shows. So what? In like uh, two or three that, weeks, you should be caught past, up. Past Grumpy Old Ben's episodes should be taken uh, in shifts. Don't try not to binge too many at a time. Uh, it, it will warp your worldview. And there's only so many Bemroses the world needs. That, I don't know how true. many that is, and it's a lot more than it has, but there's only so many. There is a limit somewhere. Just keep populating. So yeah, a little late to the party. That's okay. He says for being late. I hope this donation can write the tardiness and, and definitely does. Sir Bates, we appreciate the donation. We appreciate the support. We appreciate you listening to the show and a lot more people are i mean i think you i think it's because they like your unhinged rants and they want to hear me misspell words i mean mispronounce words yeah i don't even i can't even i can't even come up with the right words to mispronounce yes the the reason people come to our show is for our fantastic diction yes we have great diction it sounds good too coming right into your ear holes we do good audio but next on the list, Sean McCune comes to us in the morning, Darren and Ryan, around 1130 a.m. Eastern time this morning. I started my $25 monthly donation via PayPal. That's one New Year's resolution kept. I'm chipping in. Keep up the grumpy work. I like the advice show ideas to see people want more Larry. That's the that's the bottom yeah. line with a lot of this stuff. Well, w- wanting more Larry is is a very consistent and and admirable position to take yes he says uh i I could help with software development and tech stay safe sir sean of the allegheny valley sir sean we appreciate your donation and support of the grumpiest podcast 
in the universe if you just want to be i mean he has like three different names mcc sean McCune, sir sean of the allegheny valley i don't if if you i guess maybe if you use like five different names that confuses people too so they don't know where to find you i mean some people like a specific name to be used if that's the case let us know if there's something preferred that you'd like the donations to be attributed to and we will do that and coming in on the list today this is a new new expert which uh, you were complaining about this guy that he doesn't know how to wrap up his own show i complain about everything (laughs) this is uh from chris otherwise known as sir seat sitter comes in with 15 bucks says keep up the great show and grumpy on dudes i mean i think chris does a fantastic show i've been on a few times have you been on chris's show yet you you really like that show i've got a rip on it it's gotta happen (laughs) yep I, I I dropped it on the stream yesterday. Uh, actually, dropped it in um, right right after the post show. And I just want to be clear um, once again: somebody sends us money to support our show, and you want to rip them? Well, yeah, okay. they're they're podcasters. They love it. It's just like the people who do no agenda art. The abuse is preferred. Yes, yes. Um, I when you know I, I draw you know I always. We we drop a bunch of things into the stream, like a, the new episodes that are going to play after No Agenda. So the idea is that No Agenda starts in the morning on Sundays and Thursdays, and then you just listen until you're done listening. Um, and I try to keep the the next couple shows entertaining. I dropped in uh, abs in a six pack after that, and while I was doing other things, I just had the stream on, and I found myself keep coming back. It, it was uh, an episode with Sir Seat Sitter and Booberry, uh, and they were talking about. Well, all kinds of, of really, you know, crazy conspiracy stuff, the kind of stuff that that's fascinating. Right. And, the kind of stuff that would get them thrown off of Google or Apple. Yeah. The kind of stuff that would get you deplatformed from Spotify, but it's a good thing you're not there. Uh, I, I kept coming back. It was like a two and a half hour show. And I, I you know, was like, oh, my God. I mean, there was information that I didn't have. And, you know, of course, the, the best thing that you can do to really get your show highlighted is uh, to praise me praise you praise grumpy old bands. And they did that. So, I mean, the, the tithe was paid. Um, it, it, there was a ton of information I didn't have, and I was just completely riveted. But yes, as I pointed out to you yesterday, um, they got to about the hour 45 mark and it was both hosts were kind of out of energy and actually one of the reasons for this i realized later was that this was part two of two so there there was a oh two boy. and a half hour show and there was another two and a half hour episode that they split it up but apparently these two people talked about conspiracy stuff for five hours which had to have been a marathon session and i probably would have been riveted to the whole thing i only listened to the second part but both hosts were clearly kind of out of energy and they sort of ran out of topics and Sir Seat Sitter is really good at starting, launching and driving a podcast, but he doesn't actually understand that once you're done talking about things, you should probably wrap up the show then. You see, so here's they went what, on for another 45 minutes. Well, here's what Sir Seat Sitter does. He's kind of like the bus driver that gets in the bus. Everybody gets loaded up in the back. He starts driving. He gets you out of the expressway where you're doing 55 miles an hour. Then he opens the door, and just bails out while the bus yeah. <laughs> careens on by itself. Well, he couldn't do that with this because it was just him and Booberry. Uh, and uh, like I said, I I've listened to Booberry's podcast and and I've listened to a couple episodes, not not as much as as you of 
uh, abs in a six pack. And in both cases, I'm like, yeah, these, you know, I mean, they're good shows. They're, they're interesting information. And the two of these had pretty good chemistry, but at some point you got to add a show. You have to write, you have to end the show. That was the only complaint or the only advice that we offered Sir Seatsitter early on because they did like some five or six hour shows when they first started. And it's like too long. Yeah. Two hours Uh, getting there. Great, great content. And uh, if if it's full of, but I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. As soon as you don't have anything more to say, stop talking. Maybe it's not simple. Maybe that's not something everybody understands. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I just stopped talking. I didn't know what was what was going on for a minute. I I thought that was that was. My I, cue I have nothing else to say to play the outro music and let this one uh, let this one careen on <laughs> down the road. But it looks like we just got a uh, another uh, donation, but uh, from our buddy Net Ned, we'll put that on the next show. I mean, just let him know it came in, but we will get that for the uh, for the next Grumpy Old Benz, which will be happening on uh, after the inauguration so uh it could be a good one friday i mean the, either it's going to be the, the af- everything the was what? boring the inauguration everything was boring and uh nothing happened or if steve pachenik is right we are gonna have like an eight-hour show on friday just to break it all that, down i and i know but what what we if we need an eight-hour show to break it all down the first thing that we'll do is we'll play snippets out of no agenda's 12-hour show Right, that would right because that will be the never. They're, they're coming up on Thursday, and I'm pretty sure they're going to de- deconstruct it a lot better than we will. They'll even have clips. Oh, and we could start doing clips. I just I, I fear for what that would do to the length of the shows. No kidding. I mean, it would be so, easier. Um, it would build in the I, pee breaks. I don't know if you recall, but I I teased a story on Friday. And said, you know, we don't have time to get to this. And so, um, you know, make sure that you remind me. Uh, it turns out you didn't remind me. So totally not going to get to that show today. Maybe Friday. Oh, what was that it? Story. Uh, it was uh, regarding third party DNS and oh, yeah. uh, the NSA recommendation. I mean, I still have that on my list, but uh, <laughs> these are the show notes that will last forever. I mean, do we need we maybe need a third host that can direct traffic while we're doing these shows. <laughs> do, you think, do you think anybody has that ability? Um, no, even Larry not. can't do it. And Larry has the greatest voice in radio. And, and even he has not been able to direct us very far. Yes. And I'm excited about getting Larry involved with a live show to do advice and stuff like that. So be sure to, if you're not on no agenda, social get over there for all the information. And if you don't have an invite again, grumpy slash nas get on no agenda social it's like twitter but for sane people and we have so many people i mean i just start listing people randomly and i'm sure i forgot some people when i'm like well we could do an an advice show and basically your list was great and it was i mean that wasn't even half the people that probably not even a third of the people we could have gone with and i thought it was great when i got down to sir seat sitter with his expertise as something we all figure out something for him but uh you know, I like the idea almost of having, you know, different viewpoints, different advice, where if somebody comes in asking a question that is, you know, more of relationships or something that would be more smash cast. Well, if we could get, you know, DC girl, well, if she's on available yeah. to do the live shit thing, that would be great. Otherwise, I mean, she can record her answer 
And then Larry and I can give our thoughts. I mean, this would be a nice way to get a variety of sure. things. You don't and, have uh, to have everybody live. Right. Because that would be that would be hard to I, do. I, I loved your your list of of hosts. And I, I'm not I'm not advocating the veracity of this list or or endorsing it in any way. But I, I found it entertaining. Uh, you wanted Sir Pemrose for tech, Void Zero for networking, DC Girl for relationship advice, Illuminati for science. Nick the Rat for Paranormal, uh, Fletcher for Screaming. <laughs> well, he does that. And he came back with, I know music and Zappa and all the other things, too. Like, we know. Yeah, uh, there was there were a lot of responses to this where people were like, <laughs> I have other skills. Um, uh, Carolyn Blaney for politeness. Right. Sir Mathieu for <laughs> Sir Mathieu for maps, but not podcasting. <laughs> yes. Uh, cold Acid for programming. Sir Seat Sitter for something. With a smiley meet us, face. <laughs> meet us for Legos and firearm safety. Um, Spencer and Lorian for that stuff. Right. Right. That's that's more the uh, the jiggly bits. <laughs> I I thought your list was well constructed. That's all I'm saying. It was. It was off the top of my head, too. So if we missed you, I mean, feel free to reach out if you want to take part in the great new podcast that we will hopefully be launching on the No Agenda stream with Larry, where, you know, we could do phone calls and or the. You know, the whole voice over IP thing, take advice, give advice. And uh, we have a lot of experts. There's no question about that. We've learned that here on Grumpy Old Benz and in the no agenda community overall, which is by far. I mean, if somebody can find me a better community surrounding any podcast, I want to know where then, it is. Then we want to join that one instead. Right. Because it, oh, oh, it would be very hard to do. It would be very yes. hard to do. And we we love the what they have done by you know and it was all because no heavy-handed we're controlling everything concept that's not the way no agenda works and that's where we've taken a lot of our cues from which is let the people that enjoy your show go at it and hopefully they produce something cool that other people can enjoy and it makes it a lot easier in order to produce a product and have so many tentacles going out there in the real world, because without all the people that mm, around no tentacles, agenda, tentacles, right? I mean, without Void Zero, we wouldn't have the Troll Room. Without Aaron, you wouldn't have No Agenda Social. Without uh, Sir Paul, we wouldn't have you know the Art Generator. There's all these things surrounding this community that a lot of this stuff just started with a producer of the show going, "Hey, I have a skill. I can set this up." So, I mean, if there's somebody out there that can easily set up, you know, a voiceover IP switch thing where we can take calls for a show, I mean, reach out. We're we're not above asking for help with people that uh, know what they're doing. But do we have any other stories we need today on this this one episode where you actually dropped out during the show? It's all been edited out now, so people will never know that. But, uh, you know, well, this was not our, unless you tell them this is our first connection problem. I don't have confidence in this connection anymore. Well, it, 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 it really, it was just uh, a live deplatforming. It was, it was for effect. It was to, to show we had been talking about we were going to be deplatformed and, and this, this might be what it sounds like. Right. You know? Very much like saying inauguration instead Something of inauguration. Like yeah. Um, I don't have much else that I want to spend any more time on. Um, I could, I could point out that Google acquired Fitbit. Oh God. Yes. Um, yeah. It, which, my my wife is is a huge fitbit fan and i i used to wear one i particularly liked it honestly um i ended up not wearing it anymore and going to a, a lower tech step counter because it occurred to me that 
one of the problems I always had with Bitbit is the idea that you can't even you, you can't even count your own steps or or do your own stats. You don't have that data. The device exists solely for the purpose of counting your steps and your heart rate and whatever else the data gathers and then immediately sending it to the cloud. And I want I want that data for myself, but I want to be able to store it locally and run a program locally that does the crunching because I don't care about the social aspects and I don't care about comparing my details to anyone else. And I certainly don't care too much about, uh, you know, being able to access it on 12 different devices or, right. or, or it, what, what I want is, uh, you know, what has my steps been over time? What has my heart rate been over time? And, I can crunch all that from a local database, but Fitbit never had that. So I kind of moved away from Fitbit. Uh, well, if I were still using it at all, I would run the fuck away from it now because Google has purchased Fitbit. Um, they, I, I, I went through and I poked around both of their sites. I read the press releases and in both cases, they recognize that nobody trusts Google with personal data anymore. I and wonder so why. both, both sites call out specifically that, well, we'll really protect your data here. And um, I found the uh, European Commission uh, press release, which is uh, what they are pointing to to guarantee it. So what happened was that uh, Google wanted to approve this. And of course, the, the U.S. government, which is kind of bought and paid for, rubber stamped the acquisition. Um, the European Commission did not rubber stamp and in fact forced some concessions. So, um, I, I was, I was thinking about reading, uh, a couple of the things that, that Google is, is forced to do and just pointing out the, how this protects you. Uh, the European w- Commission was concerned that, uh, Google would acquire the database maintained by Fitbit and use it for advertising. Um, uh, yeah. that Google would, um, Restrict access to the Fitbit API. Fitbit has an API where third party apps can uh, call in and get the data and make use of it. Um, and they are concerned that Google could put competing wearable devices out of um, out of business by degrading their interoperability with Android smartphones, which well, all of these are and, and killing their search results because they're now the enemy. They're yeah. now competing. Well, the 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 European Commission didn't even concern themselves too much with the search results. They were much more concerned with the fact that Google owns the platform that you use to access this, which their their big concern was interoperability with other devices, interoperability with other apps. Um, and a, they they have a point. Android has had some real problems with uh, screwing over competition before. So what Google has committed to is, quote, Google will not use for Google ads the health and wellness data collected from wrist worn wearable devices and other Fitbit devices of users in the European Economic Association, EEA. Is that what that is? So everybody um, in the U.S. It, has to just say they're in the EU. Yeah. So, so fuck you, Americans, just U.S., <laughs> um, including search advertising, display advertising and advertising intermediate. And every time that you start listing the specific things that you won't do, anything you didn't list means you will. Most so, likely, you know, yeah. search advertising, display advertising, uh, it means that, you know, web advertising, they didn't mention that. Um, Google will maintain a technical separation of the relative Fitbit's user data. The data will be stored in a quote data silo, which will be separate <laughs> from any other Google data that is used for advertising. 
which means that the ad people are going to have to physically walk across campus in order to dip into that data, I guess. And plug on in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're they're going to have to carry thumb drives to plug in, download parts of the database, go back and use it for ads. I don't know. Um, Google will ensure that the European Economic Area users will have an effective choice to grant or deny the use of health and wellness data stored in their Google account or Fitbit by uh, other Google services. Um, it, an effective choice to grant or deny. You know that's going to be opt out, and it's going to be six clicks in order to find the page if you can. And when the people do decide to opt out, the the web server will be down. There will be a glitch. I don't know. I'm I'm being really really skeptical here. Um, maybe I'm not giving Google the benefit of the doubt, but it, do they deserve it at this point? No. Which is something we will be following up on because this has been something I've been looking into for the last week or two. Our buddy Harry Hamster asked the simple question of, "Can you get one of these devices that will monitor your heart rate and your oxygen level?" That doesn't require an app that doesn't require a phone to be with you. That doesn't, doesn't require your personal data to be uploaded to the cloud. Exactly. And he's sending me some cheap Chinese watches, you know, these things that'll do this. So we're going to be looking okay. into this and testing them out. And because oh, I, I think I people, look forward to this. Yeah, because I do think people want this. I mean, my wife's been wearing a Fitbit for the last few months. Her mom got rid of an old one. And, you know, she signed up for the three month free trial or whatever it is. But now that it's Google, it's like, yeah. That really does sully the concept. And it depends what you're tracking. There are some things I'm sure that those devices can do better than others as far as you being able to go in and track things over time. But if you just want an instantaneous read of your pulse rate or your oxygen levels, things like that, there's no reason that needs to be data that's given away. That's that's my data. It's not the Silicon Valley company's data. It's mine. And I should be able to do with it as I need. And the very idea that in order to to look at or analyze the data requires that I log into a cloud service just doesn't sit well with me. I understand a lot of people are cool with that. But this but is something I think I will put this call out to all of the grumpy old Ben's experts. If you know of any of these Fitbit type devices that don't require an app that don't require phoning home. Let me know about them, because this does seem like it's getting harder and harder to find something that doesn't tie all this stuff together, because we all know that a lot of these companies are like, well, we can sell you this device for, you know, 20 bucks because the data is going to make them hundreds. And this is why these devices are uh, they're being made to do nothing but mine your data. So if you're an expert on this kind of stuff, I don't know what like phone boy uses because he's really big into, you know, monitoring his jogs and stuff like that. If you're big into this and you can help us out with where should we be looking for these health devices without the cloud behind them? I mean, Darren at grumpy old Ben's.com, Ryan at grumpy old Ben's.com. So the, the, the agreement with the EU commission, actually, I'm not going to read them. I'll put in the show notes if you want to read it, but they actually have five more commitments that they make, um, with regards to API access, et cetera, et cetera, trying to address all of these concerns. Um, the, the thing that I got out of every one of them and, and the two, you know, first of all, uh, they are limiting, uh, very, very, very specific things that they don't do. Uh, which means that anything that's not listed in here is fair game. And you know that engineers can get really creative. Um, there is a lot of commentary about this applies to people in the European economic area, which means if you're in Europe, you are protected a bit by this agreement. 
if you are not in Europe, then um, your government is apparently not trying to protect you to this way. Uh, therefore, if you're not in Europe, then you better believe that all of your Fitbit data is going right into the Google advertising database. Um, and then finally, the other thing that they point out is the duration of the commitment is 10 years. So after that, Google will do anything that they want. Now, 10 years is pretty generous and it's kind of forever in the technology space. Um, but just understand that there's a time limit even on these protections. Yeah, just looking here, cold acid dropped in. This is something we'll look at at pine64.com. They do have one of these devices, 25 bucks, it looks like, that uh, that does all the health tracking built upon open source operating systems. So uh, this is interesting because this is what we're looking for. And we, we could do a whole segment on this, and that might actually be helpful at some point because, you know, everybody's just sitting at home under lockdown. Not exercising, sure. eating a lot of Cheetos and, uh, you know, well, it, you know, a random prediction, by the way, uh, with regards to the Google integrating and maybe some people are into this sort of thing, but uh, you're out jogging with your Fitbit and you happen to jog past a donut store <laughs> and a half hour later you get home, you're hungry, you are sweaty, you're exhausted and you are going to get an ad for that donut store. That's my prediction. Probably because everybody, hmm, donuts. But we'll figure yeah. that out. We'll look further into this now because Cold Acid is saying no, that's just donuts. a dev kit. It's not wearable. Uh, what's what's the wearable cost, Cold Acid? Bring us some good hey, information. You no, know, don't okay, you hate it? Not with, not with that attitude, Cold Acid. Any dev kit is wearable if you're committed enough. These these Canadians. I mean, I just don't understand. It's like you're giving me information and you're like all in caps. Look at my link. Well, just you know, feed me the information so I can spoon feed everybody that's listening right now. I can't do you, you sound like you sound like Adam Curry. Stop <laughs> sending me these five hour depositions and telling me there's good stuff in there. Give me a timestamp. Yes, Mr. Karabark. I mean, that's uh that's what we want. We want something, we want something better than that we need the information we need it just boom so we could just snap it right out there maybe by the next show the uh the quality of the information in the troll room will be better but i doubt it with that said we will be back on friday to do this whole thing all over again until then i am darren o'neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle america just outside of Chirac, where yeah you know it's the same and from America's left coast, where I will be shouting theater in a crowded fire, I'm Ryan Bemrose. But who's going to start the fire? Billy Joel?